Welcome back to the Difference Makers podcast presented by the National Alliance for Insurance Education and Research. I'm your host, Claire Richardson, a captive consultant with Highland Global Captive Solutions and a board member on the National Alliance's CISR Board of Governors. In this series, we highlight people making a positive impact in the insurance industry. Today on the show, we have Lance Ewing, a well-recognized risk management professional specializing in the hospitality industry while working in roles in the carrier space, as a risk manager in higher education, and even in captive insurance. Lance has over 20 years in the insurance industry, and it has been filled with hard work, innovation, generosity, and likely too many stories to fit into one episode here. Welcome to the podcast, Lance. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Claire. It's absolutely an honor to be here. Well, thank you. I know you have an absolutely fantastic reputation within the industry and around for being generous with your time amongst a lot of other fantastic attributes. So when you do have these opportunities to go and speak at different schools, taking the time to really give it your all is is definitely meaningful to, I'm sure, the students, but also the faculty that are involved and just really making an impact. So why is really giving back, especially to the younger generation, so important to you? Well, since I am, since you've already nicely said I'm the older generation, I greatly appreciate the fact that <laughs> giving back to the rest of our talent that's coming up through the ranks is is, is really always been something for me. And I, I don't know, I just... There are three areas that I always look at when I go on campus, and I tell the faculty that or whoever's kind enough to introduce me and allow me to come onto campus. My number one is I hope to instill some hope. And my my hope is to make an impact on at least one student in their career. If there's a business student or an engineering student or any non-risk management student, that I can at least introduce them to risk management, then my goal has been reached. At least they're aware of it, right? Although sometimes reaching the law students is a little harder to roll up the hill, just saying, no offense to all those great lawyers out there. But the fact is, is I've spoken to many other majors in many universities, and I always tell them, it doesn't matter what you're going to be into, what your career is going to be, what business you're in, you will always have insurance as risk management as part of that. And, And I tell them that risk management is the fabric of the business world. It's what holds us all together. And and that's the beauty of our profession. And and I I equate that back to the risk management or the RMI students as well, too, saying you are absolutely the leaders and drivers. When COVID happened, they ran, they didn't run to security. They didn't run to the accounting department. They ran to the risk management department and go, what what should we do? And so much leadership came from that. The second thing I look at in in my three-part look is I want it to be important. It's important to me because I learn something every time I go on campus. And you mentioned my reputation. I've been around a very, very long time. First, the earth cooled, then there was the dinosaur, then Lance showed up. That's kind of how this all works, right? But interacting with the students, and so selfishly, they're teaching me as much as I'm teaching them and imparting kernels of knowledge to them. And I tell them that, that I am just like them. I am a student of risk management, and I've been a student of learning about risk management. I mean, all the things that come into our world and the industry we have, I learn something new every day. And I tell my staff that as well, too. And the thing about the students is I love their enthusiasm, their awareness of our industry. And the thanks that thanks goes to their professors who are introducing them to a, a world outside of the book that they're currently studying right now. And overall, you know, the sun never sets on learning and learning comes from questions. And they ask some amazing questions when I'm on campus. Some of them stun me. Occasionally they do. They, you know, and I got to rewind and figure that out. But it's been absolutely great to go on campus. 
And then the last thing is I want them to have fun. This is a fun profession. It is not boring. I want to see that I want them to see that insurance and risk management is anything but, right? We may not be the sexy side, but we're the stimulating side. And I'd rather be stimulating than sexy. But, you know, I, I try to make it as engaging, exciting, and fun when I have the opportunity to be in front of these RMI students. And as you know, I'm very passionate about the risk management profession. And I hope I, that I can just spread when I go on campuses a little bit of that passion and enthusiasm to the next generation of risk professionals. Plus, I love to laugh with them. I love to have, you know, engage. And you know, in this industry, especially if you're in claims, you've got to have a sense of humor, right? I mean, that's just part of the way we operate. So those are the three things and why I love going on campus. Yeah, thank you for that. I know a lot of the time when I was a student a couple years back here, having people that were as absolutely enthusiastic and passionate as yourself to kind of impart their knowledge was such a meaningful interaction. It was really great. So I appreciate you taking the time. So as I kind of continue on in my career, I'm looking towards various associations to really, you know, get involved in and continue my growth pattern. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your time at RIMS. So I know you've been involved right. throughout the years and being the national president from 03 to 04 and just kind of understanding a little bit more about maybe some awards that you've received and, and leadership and relationship. Well, many years ago, I worked um, in the in the city of Philadelphia with the school district. And my boss at the time, she was very involved in the RIMS at the local Philadelphia chapter level. And so I, I tended to gravitate more towards the RIMS committees that at the time was called the national level or the society level. And I really had no idea what RIMS was. Um, I, I knew a little bit about it and how I didn't know how it operated. But again, even back then, I was passionate about insurance and risk management and that aspect of things. And so I, I volunteered and served on a couple of committees and then eventually was asked to join the board of directors. And later, I had, quite frankly, the truest honor of my career within RIMS was to serve as president of the society, which you mentioned. But the ability to shape and hone and lead and give the opportunity to not only travel domestically in Canada and the United States, but also to travel internationally. And quite frankly, I got the great pleasure of evangelizing about risk management as, you know, it to other countries as well, introducing in Japan and in, in Europe and other places around the world to introduce not just RIMS, but risk management as well. And I have to be honest, it was a true privilege uh, for me. And plus, the friends you make while you're involved in RIMS are lifetime. And I count many of them as my mentors growing up in this industry, although they tell me all the time I'll never grow up. But that's just you know their viewpoint on that side. But I credit uh, RIMS as well with being named Risk Manager of the Year, which was a huge honor as well, too. And I still stay active in RIMS as, you know, I'm, I'm currently chair of the RIMS Nominating Governance Committee. Of course, I speak at the RIMS World. They're nice enough to invite me back for at least one session a year. And then I also speak at RIMS Regional Conferences. This fall, I'll be speaking at the RIMS Western Regional Conference in scenic Aspen. No snow on the ground, but the leaves will be gorgeous. And so there, there was a great opportunity. And then RIMS was gracious enough of two years ago to bestow upon me what was called the Goodell Award. And not only was that a surprise, but it really hit my heart because that is the highest achievement RIMS awards any member of, of RIMS. And I was beyond words. And for me to be beyond words is like unheard of. Um, just ask my daughters. Everybody knows that, again, I love to speak. I've never met a microphone I didn't like, but I absolutely you know, enjoyed that. And I have to be honest, for the Goodell Award, the nomination has to come from someone other than yourself, obviously. And I have to tell you, the National Alliance of Insurance Education 
was my nominating sponsor. So obviously my hat's off to them and I have, have a soft spot there, but RIMS has been great to me. And, and, and I think it's a, a, anyone who's in risk management needs to definitely become part of that organization. Industry-wise, you mentioned, um, I still do speaking on risk management campuses. Again, I was honored at the University of Mississippi to have an endowment named after me, and I serve on their advisory board. I'm a member of the Sports and Entertainment Risk Management Alliance, which is SERMA. I'm also working with various organizations on the prevention of human trafficking, and that's something that, you know, that prevention is important to me, uh, both labor and sex trafficking. I'm currently mentoring two risk management students. Um, I also author for the AM Best Review magazine. And of course, I love teaching for the National Alliance, both the Megas, the CRM. Okay, that was a shameless plug to the National Alliance, but I just want to go on record as saying I absolutely enjoy being out there doing that type of stuff as well. Yeah, Lance, you really just kind of led straight into my next question of how did you really ah. get involved with the National <laughs> Alliance? How did you you know, begin that journey and any tips and tricks to some of the new faculty members? You know, I had seen the, the designations behind people's name called the CIC and had no idea what CIC was by any stretch of the imagination. But Doug Smith, who led the formation, quite frankly, of the CRM program at the National Alliance, he was the founder of that. And Business Insurance Magazine ran literally a three-sentence announcement about this new designation called the Certified Risk Manager. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. And, and again, it was three sentences. We're forming this. If you'd like to be a faculty member, send your resume here or call Doug Smith. So I picked up the phone, I called him, and we chatted about the program and the designation. And I said, I would love to be a student. I'd love to get that CRM designation, right? And then take the classes and, and all that. He called me back and he said, hey, we'd love for you to teach, Lance. Quite frankly, he saw me coming like fish to a bait, to be honest with you. He threw that in the water. I mean, he basically had me at hello with the opportunity to come teach. But what he really wanted was for me to help him shape part of the CRM curricula along with some other great faculty members and individuals from the National Alliance, which I did. And, and quite frankly, I have been hooked ever since. Of course, Dr. Hold, the venerable Dr. Hold, had an influence on my relationship with the National Alliance as well. He volunteered me. I mean, I served on both boards of the Alliance at his request. And then I actually met young William Hold. And I keep calling him young because everybody's younger than me. When he was at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide right? So he's obviously is now CEO of, of the organization. And it's been a privilege, honestly, to continue to be associated with a prestigious organization like that, that recognizes risk management, not just for the risk manager, but also for the insurance agent and broker and for the underwriter and for the captive person and the loss control people and the reinsurance. They touch such a broad breadth of people and industries and, and professions. And it allows me the opportunity to tell them how great risk management is. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think really leaning on your experience here with the National Alliance and being able to showcase, you know, the certified risk management professional designations has probably helped in understanding the industry and really growing your mentees. So one question I'm super excited to ask to be transparent <laughs> with you is during your career and your time in more of the, you know, private sector doing the events and gaming and hospitality, insurance and risk management including being the risk manager at Caesars. What are some of the most outrageous or odd <laughs> things you had to deal with? Um, wow, that catches me in a moment. Um, you know, the, the, the hospitality and gaming industry has always been filled with unique circumstances and situations. And 
you know, I could probably, as they all say, if anyone listening is in the claims world, you always say, when I retire, I'm going to write a book on all the unique claims that I had or all the weird claims or all the crazy claims that I had on that side. But I mean, there are a few that are memorable and I'll speak in some generalizations. And then, you know, we in risk management, specifically in the hospitality and resort industry, if you will, we're, we're, we're kind of three degrees of separation, not six degrees of separation, where we share unique stories and things like that. So I can tell you on a personal side, after Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, once we got on the ground there, we were walking around a couple of the casinos and it, it was, you know, devastating, completely devastating. But we found a 680 pound deceased sea lion in our parking lot. The aquarium down in Gulfport had let go and the flow and all that. And so the 680 pound dead sea lion is laying in our parking lot. But I'm in risk management. So they look at me and they go, how do you get that out of there? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Is it a protected species? How do you remove it? Who do you call? I looked through my crisis management manual under S for sea lion. There was nothing there. I did all the things that I was supposed to do, looking at D for dead, couldn't find anything. And that's something of a unique claim, but a circumstance in which you walk onto a property. And, you know, we, we also had 18 wheelers, uh, the trailers that were on the loading docks, and they were full of dull bananas. Well, when the hurricane came, they lifted them up and threw them into the second and third floors of our hotel. So, like, you don't expect to go up, you don't take the elevator, obviously. You walked up the steps and on the second floor, there's this tractor trailer in the hallway and all these bananas are laying all over the floor. And in the place, and, and bear in mind, this is in Mississippi in August, you know, so, it, you know, it, it, it has an olfactory effect uh, that you have occasionally. But and, you know, not, not one of the casinos that I worked for, but there was a it wasn't our casino. There was a claim of a woman who was married in Los, you know, in one of the wedding chapels, casino wedding chapels. And then she wanted to file a claim after she got divorced. that The casino should not have allowed them to get married. And so, yeah, somehow, apparently, we have to be e-harmony or something like that in regards to that, in regards to the casino. But we have th those claims come about as, as well, too. I'm trying to think of a couple of the other ones. Uh, we, we, you know, we did have a guest in New Jersey who called down to the front desk asking for the engineering department to come up to her room to fix her microwave. She said, hey, we, I put a pizza in the microwave and the microwave door is jammed and it won't open. Well, the front desk had to explain to the guests that we don't have microwaves in our hotel rooms. Maintenance went to the room and discovered, quite frankly, that the guest had locked the pizza in the safe deposit box. So some of our guests occasionally create some unique circumstances for us and things of that nature as well. But, you know, I, I think overall that the claims that happen, the usual slips and falls that occur in the casino industry, resort industry, the hotel industry, all of those type of things. But Th those are just three that, you know, pop into mind at this point in, in time. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, a whole plethora that are kind of just waiting in the background. That's, that's awesome, though. Uh, um, there, there, there are some that I would discuss over an adult beverage, <laughs> but I wouldn't on the podcast, just being honest with everybody. And right? that is perfectly fine. I mean, you appreciate the censorship. <laughs> so obviously, with the podcast being titled Difference Makers, you are absolutely a shining star as a difference maker in the industry kind of hearing your story thus far and really how much you do give back to the industry and obviously your involvement with making safety kind of the, the first and forefront in the in the industry from a mm -hmm. private standpoint. What do you see kind of in other people that maybe impress you or makes you think that they could also be a difference maker? What are some characteristics that point you or lead you to see, you know, some serious potential in individuals? 
That's wow, that's a that's an interesting viewpoint. I, I'm going to break it into two parts. One is there are people that I admire out in the industry, individuals that I see both in the risk management and on the insurance side. And most of those that I, that I have to say I, I absolutely look up to, they have the integrity ability to get across to other people their own sincerity. They don't say to you, hey, how you doing? And then walk by you. They absolutely want to know you. And there's some luminaries in our industry. I mean, I was blessed uh, about two weeks ago to have a lunch with Pat Ryan, who is the founder of Aon. And Mr. Ryan is just an amazing, but to this day is exceptionally sharp, asks about family. It doesn't really matter. He is sort of the epitome. There's other ones. And if I can mention them by name, I think John Doyle at Marsh is absolutely above reproach, a great human being, just a solid, solid citizen in regards to that. John Keogh at Chubb. I, again, I, I, you know, I may belong to the fan club or be like the number one fan. I think that he does an amazing job too. There's a host of individuals out there that I would put in that top 10 Hall of Fame category for Lance's Hall of Fame, of people I would love to succeed with or work with and having had the pleasure of working with some of them. There's just some amazing people in our industry that not only give back, but also are interested in developing the new students who are coming on to risk management, the younger generation, if you will, so to speak. I think they're, they're absolutely great too. And you look at someone like, and I'll be honest, like a Dr. Hold, who took nothing, literally nothing other than his, his PhD, creates this industry with designations and, I mean, has quite frankly put his footprint and his handprint in this industry related to, you know, educating people in regards to the importance of insurance, et cetera, and setting that up. So, you know, there are a ton of individuals on that side. So that, that's my Dunn Lance admiration club aspect of things. But, you know, throughout my career, I've never been overly impressed with people by title or their salary or their, you know, their awards. Or and I have some great friends that they have more designations behind their name than in their name. You know, their business card goes on for three pages type thing. You know, so do they still use business cards? I don't know. Does anybody use it? I guess I have not. them. I have them. <laughs> ah, there you go. See, I would gab. Yep. I still occasionally use mine, but you know, I haven't been overly impressed. I think it's how you treat people as being very honest. And in our industry, how you treat your employees, your colleagues, your guests in our casinos and hotels, how you treat them speaks volumes in regards to the individual integrity. So you know, I, I mentioned, yes, and you were very kind to say, I have a lot of accolades and I have some trophies and some wonderful things and all that kind of stuff. But all of that goes away if I can help somebody else in our industry. And we are an industry which is a service-driven industry and a service industry driven on the foundation of trust. And we have to trust each other that you're going to do what you're going to say. And it's okay to say no. And I tell the students that occasionally too. Anyway, the long, the long and the short of it is, is I tell the students is, you don't overburden yourself. You can't. You know, I, I know there's a lot of HR departments that talk about a work-life balance. I personally like to call it a life-work balance. I, you know, and, and flipping that script because you got to live first and then you work. And I realize, you know, oh my gosh, work when work comes first, then that work comes first. But no, I'd like life to come first because life will follow the work. And I tell the students many times too, and I, I tell some of my uh, colleagues, hire for your boss. Because if your boss is going to be a great boss to you, a mentor to you throughout your career, not just at this job, if they're taking the time, et cetera, find a boss who's interested in you, not one who's interested in getting the job done. And that boss is going to be a 
a shoulder to cry on, a shoulder to lean on, and a shoulder to lift you up into the next job or the next list. I tell staff many times, I will be happy to be a reference for you. If you, no one wants to come to work unhappy, they, they just don't. I mean, I, at least I don't. I get up to work, get up every morning going, this is going to be a great day. It's going to be absolutely awesome. What am I going to learn today? And yeah, are there some hiccups and obstacles, but how do we make those into opportunities, right? So for the most part, and, and on a personal note, how can you help someone who can't help you has always been something I have preached, not only in my industry, but to my daughters as well, too, by simply saying to them is, even though somebody can't help you, how are you able to help them? And in the long run, it's just that good karma type of thing that, that, that comes around as well, too. And I think that applies in the business world each and every day. You know, you look at brokers, right? From the brokerage standpoint, you walk a tight balance as a broker or an agent. You walk a tight balance because you got to somehow make the client happy, which is sometimes an impossible task. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't want me as a client. That's why I've never been a broker. I've never been on the dark side. I mean, been an insurance broker. I've never been on the, on the brokerage side of things because I would hate me as a client. You know, I, I just absolutely would not like me as a client. And, you know, again, you walk that tightrope keeping the client happy. Then you got to keep the carriers happy. And then you have to keep your boss happy because you can't spend too much. You can't spend too little. And in today's very hard insurance market, it's it's a tough road for, for the brokers right now. So there's an envious aspect of it is how do you keep that car in the middle of the road? both from, it, you're delivering bad news as a broker right now. And how do you help me as a broker shape and hone that information back to my C-level? How do I get them to understand how that is? How do I help them to help themselves on that side? And everybody's squeezing right now. You know, you're not getting 20, 25 points from the carriers on commission anymore, right? That's a lot lower number. And then you also have your clients going, well, I don't want to pay you that much in a service agreement fee. Well, great. I still have to put food on the table and my kids need shoes. I would really like to have a salary this month. So I, I get that side of it. And I kiddingly, tongue in cheek a lot of times, give a jab to the brokers on that side. But on the other side, some of my brokers are absolutely my best friends to today. And we've developed that relationship, which is important. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I go back to Pat Ryan. One of his famous quotes in business is, it's never too late to do the right thing. And I am impressed with that thought leadership, quite frankly, both in our industry and in our personal life. I screw up all the time personally. I do that. All. It's a regular routine habit for me at this point. But going back to do the right thing and saying the words, I don't know, and I'm sorry, goes such a long way in our industry right now. So, Yeah, honestly, Lance, I couldn't agree more. And even when I'm talking with mentees and individuals that are maybe starting in the industry and don't necessarily know a plethora of information about risk management insurance or captive-specific examples um, in my purview, I always help them understand that maybe, you know, the skills that are not necessarily technically advanced um, in your understanding right now, the skills that are going to be the most important for you are maybe showing up 10, 15 minutes to a meeting early, right? In order to get those, you know, first discussion points, being able to have that time and really settle in, or it's following up after a meeting and making sure everybody is on the same page or ensuring that you are definitely the point person to raise your hand and really taking that time to invest in your career and invest in those next steps so you are happy at your job, mm -hmm. but also so that you're fulfilled and, and content and being able to take that into your life and really focusing on your life instead of just focusing on your work. 100%. And, and, and in that side of things, I can give you just a tip, if you will, not for you necessarily, because I know you are customer service at the, your core and center, but 
I write handwritten thank you notes to my staff, to my boss. My boss has been very instrumental in trying to help us get through the captive situation we're working on right now. She helps drive this. And without the support from that senior leadership or the C-suite leadership, you know, and again, and look, they may look at the card and go, oh, that's nice, and then throw it away. I'm fine with that. But it made me feel good. So that, and, you know, handwritten anything anymore today is like unheard of, if you will, because our whole life is based on emojis and text, right? But on the on the flip side, too, and yes, that goes back to the old-fashioned thing and all those kind of things. But I get that. But getting actually a handwritten note in the inner office within a, within the team. If we have lunch with somebody, our team has a lunch. We do lunch and learns with various other departments. I always make it a point to send a note back to the leader of that department. Thanks for taking the time to meet with us, to talk about risk management, talk about enterprise risk, how we're doing the risk register, those kind of things. I just think that's valuable personal courtesy sometimes. And no one wants to get ghosted. No one in this industry loves to get ghosted. Just be honest with them. Go, And that's where I go back to you can say no. We get solicited all the time for different things and all that stuff. And I say, no, not right now. Really appreciate it. If there's an opportunity in the front, I got you here. And I honestly keep them in a, in a Rolodex. Sorry, a Rolodex is known as contacts. That's your contact list. We don't have Rolodex anymore. Anybody listening to this. So I apologize anyway. But, you know, you, all your contact lists there, keep them fresh. Keep them. You don't know. This industry is so small. If somebody doesn't know something about Lance, ask the other person who's in the room. They'll know something about him. Hopefully, they'll say one good thing about me, maybe one. But the fact is, is don't burn a bridge. Take the high road all the time and say, okay, great, that happened. What did I learn, right? What did I learn from that? And what was that experience that I had? But, you know, just burning a bridge in this industry, uh, you're not going to go very far in, in my viewpoint. Always take the high road. Take the integrity, which I mentioned earlier. And say, at the least, you can say thank you. Sometimes my philosophy is kill them with kindness. You absolutely can just be polite and upfront. I think you're showing a lot of merit going forward. And the younger students today and those newer to our profession are learning that as we go along, right? I mean, it definitely, it, it doesn't take you more than two minutes to send an email thank you. Even if they told you no, go away, I don't like you, whatever they tell you, that's fine. Just say thank you very much for your time. I'm very grateful. Hopefully, maybe we can do business in the future. All the best to you. What did that cost you? It didn't cost you anything. You're like, well, I'll show them. I'm not going to respond. Oh, yeah, like that's going to work long term, right? So anyway, so that's that. That's kind of my viewpoint in regards to that. So I, sorry, I took an exit ramp off the highway here. No, it was very valuable. I appreciate you uh, sharing some of your wisdom with us. I know this next question is going to kind of require your crystal ball. So go ahead and, and pull that out and be ready to do some forecasting. But what do you kind of see the future holding? You've been in the industry for a little while. You've seen a lot of different trends and maybe different, uh, you know, things in the industry at large. Well, you, you can tell you're a broker. You pulled back from you're an old guy to you've been in the industry a little while. That was very nice <laughs> of you. I'm certainly good on that catch. So you have a career as a broker going for a salesperson. You know, quite frankly, our industry is so bright. I need sunglasses. It really is. It is such a bright opportunity, even in the hard market where we are right now, even in some tough times and growing premium prices specifically. Did I mention property? Let's not go down that exit ramp, shall we, right now. But, you know, insurance and especially risk management. Insurance is one, and I say this all the time, for us in risk management, insurance is one piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole puzzle. It's not of it. It's just a piece of the puzzle. It's a tool in the toolbox. 
And if I can use insurance, great. But especially from a risk management standpoint, risk is being discussed at the highest levels in every organization. If you pick up an annual report of any publicly traded organization and turn to their annual report, there is actually a risk committee. There is actually a a section on these are the risks this organization is facing right now. And it'll go on for six, seven, 16 pages on these are the risks we've identified, et cetera, that type of thing. So risk is obviously moving up into that C-suite level, into the shareholder level. Reputation risk is absolutely huge. I won't mention them. I'm sure you could probably think of three or four of them right now that have had some reputation risk issues that have affected their share price. And therefore, you know, that's something that we have to look at. So we, I think, in risk management are getting a seat at the adult table at Thanksgiving. We're not at the kids' table much anymore. We're moving away from that, if you will. And we're getting a a seat at the C-suite table in some cases, and we're getting asked more and more, especially as enterprise risk management continues to build and going forward. And I think agents and brokers need to understand the risk management nuances so they can sell that. As a risk manager, I don't look to my broker to just sell me insurance. That's transactional. And that's going away. Fortunately, I see that's going away. And we're hopefully seeing less of procurement buying insurance. So let's see this more. Hi, I'm in charge of procurement. I bought toilet paper. I bought copy paper and I bought um, office chairs. Oh, I bought some insurance too. Hopefully that is getting away from that. And that's getting more along the lines of professionals who do that type of purchasing on that side. So I think the exciting stuff coming in future days you know, is that the role that we're developing in risk management and the partnership we're building with our brokers and with our underwriters. Many, 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 many years ago, I was an underwriter for property. Um, I was an underwriter for one day. That's another story for another day. It literally was an underwriter for a single day. The property I underwrote burned the same day I issued the binder. So that was why I was in it for what? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's another story for another day. However, the fact is the partnership with underwriters now is key and critical. Those relationships that you're building, because underwriters don't always stay at the same place for 40 or 50 years. They tend to occasionally move around. Did I mention cyber, especially those underwriters? They seem to be moving all the time. But the fact is, is, is that building that relationship with the underwriter is key and critical, not only to the risk management side, but to the brokerage and agency side as well, too. And I think that building that relationship is going to continue in the long run. And and more importantly, I think in my crystal ball, I see the market eventually starting to get a little softer. Certain lines of coverage, will we go back to, this is a Lance opinion, will we ever go back to the entire cycle of every line of coverage will get softer? I believe the answer is no. You know, it used to be back in the, you know, 70s or 80s, right? No, I wasn't writing insurance back then. Let me just go on record. Okay, I'm not that old. But the fact is is that back in the 70s and 80s, it was a cycle. Everything, all pricing dropped. Then all pricing went up and then all pricing dropped. I don't think you're going to see the roller coaster that you used to see anymore. I think you're going to see certain lines of coverage continuing to harden while others will drop. And an example of that was when cyber three, four years ago was through the roof and you have to go, you know, you have to beg to get some insurance on that side. That has leveled out. Property on the other side has absolutely catastrophically gone through the, gone through the roof. So I, I don't see we're ever going to go back to the cycle of soft market, hard market. I think you're going to go back to a leveling with spikes as opposed to the ups and downs that you used to see. I used to use the roller coaster analogy on the cycle because at the end of it, everybody got off the roller coaster and then threw up and got sick. 
because it was a terrible ride overall and no one and they paid a lot of money for it but at the end of the day i just see that and you know i think and i'll give you a personal viewpoint of a lance viewpoint simon sinek who who says working hard for something that you love that every day you get up and you're excited about is called passion and i love risk management love 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 risk management i love the insurance industry and i hope i can continue to quite frankly contribute and remain an integral part as a leader small leader big leader doesn't matter leader for the future of our industry, specifically the students and the education that they're getting. Yes, please, please remain that leader. You've been absolutely amazing today. And and thank you for this incredible time, really having some one-on-one understanding of your of your career and some amazing tips and tricks for the industry. I cannot explain enough how much it's meant to us. So thank you very much. I am so very, very grateful for the opportunity and any time, like I said before, anytime I can get to spread the good news of risk management, if you will, I am more than happy to do that. So thank you for the time. Really blessed. I hope you have an awesome, awesome weekend. Again, my personal congratulations to your captive award. That is so amazing. And Claire, you're just awesome. You are the next leader coming forward. Well, thank you, Lance. I I hope to be a fraction of the experience and excitement that you bring to the industry. Thanks so much for the time. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn more about Lance as a faculty member, be sure to check out the CRM courses on the National Alliance's website at scic.com. We'll be back speaking with more incredible people every quarter, so make sure to look out for Difference Makers wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, own your potential and thank you for listening.